On this episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, my good man Josh will be taking an inside look at the Redskins' loss against the Falcons this past weekend. And we will also be looking at the NFL scores this past weekend, as well as some college football upsets and college football as well this past weekend. That's all coming your way next on the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Oh, indeed. I'm glad you connected. This is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man, Josh Kirby, on Sports Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, episode 12 of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast starts right now. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. And if you haven't already, make sure you find us on our social media pages, Facebook at Josh Kirby, uh, excuse me, at Kirby on Sports Podcast, Instagram at Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, Twitter at Kirby on Sports, and make sure you email us as always at Kirby on Sports Podcast. I'm going to get into it right now. Um, I, I was right. Um, I kept saying the Washington Redskins, I, I'm not bought on them, and I was right. Um, 38 to 14 loss at home against the three and four Atlanta Falcons. That was, I I mean I I sort of expected it from the beginning. Like it it, it was just too good to be true. The Redskins in third place with a five and two record, but it came down to who was the better team in that game, and the Falcons came up big. They got a big win. They're 500 on the year now, and luckily the Redskins are still in first place. I find that hard to believe, but, you know, the NFC East is a terrible division to be in right now. Like the Cowboys, they're 3-5, and five, but how about that Monday night loss? Eagles, I, I believe they're 500, but l- let's just take a look here, Um, some stats for you. Um, for the Redskins, lead rusher, Alex Smith, one carry, 22 yards. Adrian Peterson got the ball nine times and only rushed 17 yards. That's an issue. I kept saying this. I'm going to keep saying this. If the Redskins want to win, establish the run game early. Yeah, we all know the Falcons' defense sucks. But the Redskins did not establish the run game. If you do not establish the run game, you're not going to win the football game. And in every situation, every single game the Redskins have been in, and they have not established the run, they have lost. And we see that again this week. So, I, I, I'm not really sure what the problem is, why they can't be a consistent team on a week-to-week basis. But, uh, I mean, I'm just mind-blown at this point. Like, why are you going to give the ball to Adrian Peterson nine times for only 17 yards? Seriously, give him the rock and let him pound the ball up the field. Capri Bibbs, three carries, 20 yards, one touchdown. Only touchdown on the ground for Washington on the day. Alex Smith. 30 for 46, 306 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Not a bad day, but Alex Smith, he just needs to learn how to throw the ball better. He's been off target everywhere you look, and you, you can see that here for the, from the 30 for 46. Um, 
you look down uh, receiving, as you all know, Paul Richardson is out for the season. Um, he only got two uh, two receptions, 16 yards. So, I mean, Richardson, he, I, I don't even know at this point. But Doxson, only touchdown scored in the air for Washington. Three receptions, 31 yards. Lead receiver that game was Mo Harris. Mo Harris is starting to become a better wide receiver for the Washington Redskins for them in the absence of Paul Richardson. Um, Vernon Davis, he's doing pretty good. Jordan Reed is putting up numbers. So pretty good on the receiving side. I, I, I can't really complain. Paul Richardson, he's got to do what he's got to do with his – uh, I believe it was a shoulder injury. They just said he's out for the season. He just needed to take care of that surgery. That's what I heard on the news. But anyways, um, some other stats. Um, the defense sucked. They sucked. If If you didn't hear me the first two times, the Washington Redskins defense against the Atlanta Falcons sucked. I mean, they picked up Ha Ha Clinton Dix. What? But like, yeah, I I don't really. His name wasn't really called a lot, you know. Like, granted, he was in a new system for the first time. It says on here seven total tackles, five solo tackles, and yeah, that that's it. He had seven total tackles that game, along with Matt Ioannidis up there with seven, but. Not when I watched the game, I didn't really see Ha Ha Clinton Dix in the backfield try to make a play on the ball or anything. But um, anyways, um, the Redskins defense did not play well. They got burned left and right. Julio Jones, his first touchdown pass off a bubble screen. We got burned on that. That was pretty terrible. I I saw that and I was like, wow. Why? Like, seriously, why can't you? You're just getting burned. You're making the defense look terrible. And Josh Norman, I forget who what receiver this is, but Matt Ryan threw a pretty high lob to, I, I believe it was Julio Jones. I could be wrong. It's been a little while. But anyways, Josh Norman blatantly tackles him from behind, pulls him down both shoulders for a pass interference. Like, seriously, that is crazy. Why would you do that? Like, seriously, play the ball, but just don't go for a blatant penalty just so he doesn't catch a touchdown. Seriously, Josh Norman is probably the worst safety for the Redskins. I do not like him at all. I hate him. He is cocky, and he just doesn't do it a lot. He's just like Odell Beckham. He wants to run his mouth. But the thing about Odell Beckham, he's better than Josh Norman. I'll tell you that right now. Odell Beckham is better than Josh Norman. And Norman just likes to run his mouth, and he gets paid $80 million to run his mouth, be on Fox Sports, and do all his news stuff. He gets all distracted, and he doesn't like to play. DJ Swearinger should be out there in place of Josh Norman. I, I seriously am done with 
what Josh Norman has done. Like, he hasn't done a lot. Only only one interception this season, I think. And that was against um, Green Bay, I think. Um, I don't know what. But DJ Swearinger, he, he knows how to get it done. He, he has the passion and the heart and the will to win. Josh Norman, he's just cocky, and he likes to run his mouth all the time. And he likes to make blatant fouls, and he gets burned all the time. And I don't really like that. I think the Redskins need to find they just need to tighten up and the Redskins need to win some football games. This 5 and 3 record, I'm still not bought on. It it's crazy, but in an, a terrible NFC East division, 5 and 3, I I'm just not liking it. The Eagles, there's going to be a great Sunday night matchup. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. That that's one you got to watch out for. The if the Eagles win, the Eagles are probably going to win, by the way. But I, I have a feeling next week, uh, who who does Washington play next week? The Buccaneers. Oh, man. I, I don't even want to get started on that. But, excuse me. But the Redskins and the Buccaneers, that, uh, I don't know. Could Fitzmagic possibly come out and score five touchdowns? I mean, the way our defense looked last week. Fitzmagic is highly possible. But anyways, if that's the case, 5-4 and four, if we lose to Tampa Bay. Philadelphia is 4-4. Four and four. If they beat Dallas on Sunday night, we'll be tied for first. See, screw away first place just like that. The Redskins need to change. They need to be more consistent. And this game just proved we cannot be consistent. We're going to go out there and beat Carolina. We're going to beat Green Bay, and our defense looks amazing. We beat Dallas. Heck, Car- Preston Smith had a strip sack against Dallas for a touchdown. The defense looked amazing in that game. But the 3-4 and four Atlanta Falcons put up 38 points on the Washington Redskins. I, I just want to um, touch on something here. Second half. Hold up. Where is it here? It's not even. Um, what? I'm sorry. This is really confusing. But I just had it up. The. Oh, here we go. Okay. So. The Redskins. The second half. Finally. They they score a touchdown on the second half. Interception. Punt. Punt. Like, their second half is still terrible. And I saw a stat on the telly as well, the television as well. Um, the Redskins win when they have the lead. And when they have the lead, when they keep the lead, you, you know, like if they score first and they have the lead. But if they're down, they're losing. Like, I saw that. I was like, wow, what a stat. But anyways... I, I'm just speechless for words here. That was my Redskins rant. But l- let's look at some numbers here. Matt Ryan, four touchdowns. Four passing touchdowns. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Tevin Coleman. Four. 
against the defense. Yes, the defense got burned, and the numbers don't lie. 26 for 38, 350 yards, four touchdowns, and only one interception. And that was Quentin Dunbar who made that interception. But, I mean, that was obviously a bad read on Matt Ryan because the receiver did not turn around. Lucky, if I'd say. Atlanta's defense, eh, all right, you know. KZ with their only interception. Like, in Washington's receivers, that's how KZ got that interception. They can't hold on to the ball. Seriously, hold on to the ball. I think that was Josh Doxson. He's been a little bit better, but he needs to learn how to hold on to the football. It's crazy. Tevin Coleman, lead rusher in that game. 13 carries, 88 yards. And Ito Smith, 10 carries, 60 yards. Let's look here. 154 combined rushing yards. The Redskins, 79 combined rushing yards. That's not going to win you a football game. And I'm really not impressed by any of it. So, anyways, Redskins fall to 5-3. and three. They are still in first place in the NFC East. And surprisingly, hopefully they can keep it. But as I said before, I am not bought on any of it. So... We'll just have to wait and see it next week. The Redskins at Tampa Bay. That's going to be interesting. Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting, so we'll see. And uh, don't forget, I almost forgot here, the amount of injuries we've had. Sean Laval out for the year. Brandon Sheriff out for the year. Paul Richardson out for the year. Two O linemen, that that's oh my gosh, I I just can't imagine if Tampa Bay's defense is any good. What nightmares Alex Smith will have in the backfield trying to throw without Brandon Sheriff and Sean Laval. So, luckily they picked up um two guys, Jonathan Cooper and Luke Boanco. Bo Anko, I think. Sorry if I botched that, but two two guys, one at left guard and guard and center. Um, and Jay Gruden also said that Tony Bergstrom will come in at right guard. So O line is not looking that good with the amount of injuries. So we'll just we'll just have to see. That's a one o'clock start. This Sunday, the Redskins and the Buccaneers. Uh, Thanks once again for listening to my take on the Washington Redskins. We're going to mix things up a little bit, and I will be sending you to my co-host, CJ Mintier, for the rest of the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast. Alrighty, folks. As always, my name is CJ Mintier, the co-host of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Today, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. Me and my good man, Josh, had some things to take care of this week, so we will be doing separate takes and insights into this past week of sports. So, let's go ahead and kick it off with the NFL this past week. Well, 
I have to say it was a very interesting week, especially starting off with Nick Mullins, who came in for the 49ers, tearing up the Raiders 34 to 3. 16 of 22 for 262 and three touchdowns in your first start. That's comparisons to Brett Favre back in the day. And it was huge news. <laughs> Memes going everywhere of this guy now being the truth. Probably going to be the next Jimmy G. But no, you're not going to get the Jimmy G contract just like he did this past season. I mean, the 49ers, let's see what they can do with this momentum. Who knows if Nick Mullins can continue his way. But, I mean, I'm not that excited just because it was against the Raiders. I mean, they are 1-7 in seven now. But John Gruden still thinks that this team can turn it around and take it home here in the next couple of years and be a Super Bowl caliber team coming up as well. Let's move on to the next game, the Bears and the Bills. Everyone thought that this game would be a blowout, and my God, it was. 41-9, to I mean, if Nathan Peterman is in the game, I just, if you have like a bet with someone and they want to say, Let's just go against the Bills. Just do that every single time, especially when Nathan Peterman is in the game. He was the top performer for passing that game, but he still had three interceptions. 41-9, to though. Two defensive touchdowns for the Chicago Bears. This is without Khalil Mack. I mean, this is huge for the Bears because Khalil Mack's been out the past couple weeks, and now they're still performing. Now, of course, as I said, it's against the Bills as they dropped to 2-7 now on the season after having strange wins against Minnesota and Tennessee. We'll get to those here in a sec, but it's crazy to see how the Bills got those two wins, but they're struggling against all these other teams. Who knows when Josh Allen will come back? But we'll have to see as the Bears move on to 5-3 and three now, and they may as well just get Khalil Mack pushing into the latter half of this season. You know, interim interim head coaches are such a huge thing in the NFL. Lots of people seem to believe that the interim head coaches will come in and do a great job. Well, guess what, people? We're talking about the Browns right now, and the Browns did not do well against the top team in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost 37-21. to Patrick Mahomes still throwing dots all over the field, 375 yards and three TDs, and Kareem Hunt is still on fire. I know that Patrick Mahomes is a lot of people's MVP right now. He's not my MVP. We will get to that here in a sec, but in my opinion, he's just not my MVP, but As I said, we'll get to that later. But the Chiefs are still a very good team. They're a very dominant team right now. And with everything that happened to the Browns this past week with Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley being let go, this wasn't the best game to get ready for, especially against the top team in the AFC AFC West and the AFC in general. So we'll just have to see what the Browns can do. Hopefully they won't screw this season down the drain and they will hopefully find a very reliable head coach to come in and at least take over the program. But we'll have to see. And the Chiefs, they're going to keep on rolling. Can't wait to see what they do against LA coming up here in a couple of weeks. 
They're going to play the Rams coming up here. We'll have to see what they can do because that'll be a very good game. I already know my good man Josh over the past this past weekend was not very happy. The Redskins fell to the Falcons 38 to 14. My goodness. After the Redskins start out 5 and 2, I'm not surprised Josh is upset. You start out 5 and 2 and you lose to a 3 and 4 team and a 3 and 4 team that's been struggling for that matter. Julio Jones hasn't caught a touchdown pass until this game against the Redskins. Matt Ryan, 350 yards and four touchdowns. Unbelievable. You trade for HaHa Clinton Dix. No fly zone, right, Josh? I can already hear him screaming. But no fly zone? No. You don't get 350 yards and four TDs just, just against... Matt Ryan, like that's unbelievable for him. And Julio Jones ended his 12-game touchdown drought now in this game. The Redskins, I don't know what to say about them. I really don't. Josh will give you more insight on them because he's the man to go to for Washington sports just because he's such a huge fanatic on them. But the Redskins, they'll just have to keep pushing through this season. But as Josh always says, you can't trust the Redskins because this is the type of game that they could eventually have, and they did against the Falcons. This past Sunday, I had the honor and privilege to work the Baltimore Ravens versus Pittsburgh Steelers game. I was on the sideline for my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, working with the Microsoft tablets, handing them out to players, and tying up loose ends with coaches, making sure that they have everything, making sure that they're all set to go for the game. And it was awesome. I got to see my Steelers come out with the win and a very convincing win too, especially after the way that Joe Flacco talked about the Steelers' defense. I mean, if you don't know anything about this, Joe Flacco came out and said that the Steelers' defense, he felt really good and easy against them. Like he felt like he could have thrown for 500 yards against them, that they were very easy to throw against. And, well, the Steelers, they weren't too happy about that. (laughs) They weren't very happy. And they came out and said, okay, we'll see how you do against us in in this game. And they did. I mean, when you look at what the Steelers did, they held them to, I believe it was two... 240 yards of offense it was something crazy and then the Steelers had almost 400 yards of total offense yeah 265 yards of total offense it it was the Steelers defense was the difference in this game no turnovers no nothing time of possession the Steelers held on to it after they came out in the third quarter they held the ball for eight minutes eight minutes that's unbelievable you held on to the ball for eight minutes They sacked Joe Flacco twice this game, so not as much pressure, but they did get in his face. The Steelers, though, man, I love them, but they are not a disciplined team. They aren't. Eight penalties for 103 yards. They're the most penalized team in the the league right now. They're the most penalized team, and it's continuing. Now, I know this is a rivalry game. Emotions get the best of you sometimes, but you have got to control your emotions, especially towards the end of the season, because it could be the end of a game. It could mean the end of a game. One screw up, one mess up, that's it. It's done. 
The Baltimore Ravens, they dropped a 4-5 and five now with the best defense in the nation. They have the best defense in the league, and yet they're 4-5. and five. The Steelers are 5-2-1. and two and one. It's crazy to me that at the beginning of the season, you saw an 0-1-1 record. It's crazy to me how the Steelers have completely turned it around. And the big news now is Le'Veon Bell actually might be coming back. And you're saying he's that's that's not news to me. What are you talking about? They say that every week and he doesn't come back. Well, if you don't know, Le'Veon Bell tweeted out a tweet saying goodbye Miami, which is the the place where he's been working out his home down in Florida, basically his private training facility. And he said goodbye Miami. And I believe that it is now time that Le'Veon Bell will return to the Steelers. And I've said it on the podcast many times. Do not play Le'Veon Bell. You keep James Conner in. Please keep James Conner in. Please. Because you are going to screw up the chemistry. You are going to screw up the cohesiveness of that offensive line and that offense in general if you try and start Le'Veon Bell over James Conner. If you ever seen the longest yard, that's basically what it's going to be like. If you've ever seen the longest yard in the game that the convicts play against the guards, that's what it's going to be like. Now, of course, they're going to still try and win football games, but the fact that you're putting Le'Veon Bell just ahead of James Conner after everything that he's done for you this season, that's unbelievable. Why would you do that? And I've said it many times, he is an inspiration to that team. To have a player like James Conner on that team starting with everything that his story has done throughout his entire career, it's unbelievable. And to me, they have to keep him starting to keep that cohesiveness and to keep that team chemistry up. The Steelers, they're looking good right now, but they have a tough test coming up in Carolina coming up on Thursday night. They're going to have to play against Cam Newton and the Panthers coming up after their hot win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I know you may feel that the Carolina Panthers, oh, it's the Buccaneers, they're screwed up on offense as it is with this whole quarterback situation and everything. Yeah, you're you're completely right, but it's not just the quarterback situation. The defense has got to stop somebody. The Panthers are 6-2, and two, and they put up 42 points against the Buccaneers. 42 points. That doesn't sound like an offensive issue to me at all. That sounds like a defensive issue. Cam Newton, 19 of 25 for 247 yards and two touchdowns. I I haven't told Josh this, but Cam Newton's a good quarterback. Cam Newton is probably the scariest quarterback for me to go up against. In terms of what he is able to do, and he is probably the most physically gifted NFL quarterback ever. Like, his body, his arm, his running ability, it's crazy to me how people still say like, oh, he's hes just not that good of a quarterback because he doesn't throw the ball well. Well, yeah, not every quarterback does. Michael Vick did not throw the ball very well. He didn't, but he was the most exciting player to watch. But Cam Newton, in my opinion, if there was one player one quarterback that you did not want running at you if you were defensive back, 
It's Cam Newton because Cam Newton will lower his shoulder and go at you. Now, that's every defensive back and linebacker's dream, but not for a guy who's twice your size. And for the Panthers, another tough test. They got to go to Pittsburgh on a short week and play them. But we'll have to see. It's going to be a good game for Thursday Night Football. Hopefully not a lot of players are injured, so we'll be able to see a good battle. But 5-2-1 Steelers versus the 6-2 Panthers on Thursday Night Football coming up. So for me, right now, the Texans are very impressive. This is the next game, by the way. The Texans beating the Broncos. The Broncos lose just after trading... Demarius Thomas to the Texans. How fitting how Demarius Thomas traveled all the way down to Houston, Texas just to go back to Denver and play for the Bron- against the Broncos, excuse me, and beat them in their home stadium. It's crazy. And Deshaun Watson, I know that he's probably not in the running of MVP, but I don't understand why he isn't. Because in my book, the MVP stands for the most valuable player. Because if that player is not playing, then that team is screwed. Like, legitimately screwed. If you go back to last season, Deshaun Watson, through five or six games, had 19 touchdown passes. And then he tore his ACL in a practice. A non-contact injury. And it was so sad to just hear him have his season done like that and the overwhelming support of players that came out and said you know this guy is going to be an MVP one day he has got the skills and the traits to be an MVP now he's showing it the Texans started out 0-3 this season now they're 6-3 they've won six straight Sure. Oh, they only won 19-17. to That's not an impressive of a win. Every win in the NFL is an impressive win. Every single win is impressive. And to go into mile high and do that, that's very good for the Texans. And they're going to keep moving on this season, especially with the way Deshaun Watson is playing. Uh, In my opinion, he's the comeback player of the year just because of his whole story and everything that he has done, he's a winner. Uh, Goes back to his Clemson days. He's a winner. When you want a win, you put the ball in his hands, and he is going to find a way to win. And that's what he's done. The Texans, now 6-3, and and they're looking strong. Let's move on to the next one. And as I said, the Saints took home the victory. Down go the 8-0 Rams. They are now 8-1 now. What a game. <laughs> 45 to 35. It got a little crazy there at the end. It was 35-35. And then the Saints pulled away. 72-yard touchdown pass to Michael Thomas. He pulls out the cell phone and does the old Joe Horn touchdown celebration. Man, what a game. The Rams are going to be fine. The Rams are going to be fine. They have to put this loss behind them and just go out there and play ball because it's not hard it's I excuse me it's very hard to win in New Orleans it is very hard to win there especially when the Saints are on a roll back when 
the Super Bowl year, 2010, 2011, 2012, those years were very hard to win in the Superdome. And it's the same way like it was with Seattle. It's hard to win in these types of areas. But this time, the Saints did a great job. And Drew Brees has my MVP vote. He has my MVP vote right now. Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. He really is. But Drew Brees has played amazing for his age. He has passed Peyton Manning's record. He has done everything to get his team to 7-1. And and the one loss that they have, it's it's shocking that they lost. It it really is. Because you you would think that the way the Saints are playing, Drew Brees against the Rams, he had 137 QBR rating. Quarterback rating. That's unbelievable. 25 of 36 for 346 yards and four touchdown passes. What? (laughs) He is my MVP, man. You cannot... Oh my goodness, it's unbelievable to see Drew Brees out there doing what he does at his age. He passed Peyton Manning's record. That ball is now in the Hall of Fame, and he has one more year left on his contract to cement his legacy. He has another year to continue his legacy in the NFL. And I hope at the end of the year, even even though as a Steelers fan, that he hopefully gets another ring. I hope he does, because then who's to say that Drew Brees is not number two behind Tom Brady? Now, I I, I I still think that Tom Brady is the greatest. He always is and always will be. But in my opinion, Drew Brees is number two. Right now, as of now, Drew Brees, he has one less ring than Peyton Manning. But he has broken all of Peyton Manning's records. He just has one more to break, and that's the passing touchdowns record. That's it. That's all he has left to break, to break every single thing from Peyton Manning. That's all he has left. I do believe after this season and the next one, he could easily break it, and he will cement his legacy. And that's why I believe that Drew Brees is my MVP vote right now at the midway point of this season. So, the Saints, they move on to 7-1. The Rams, 8-1. Keep doing what you're doing. Sean McVay is a great coach. He will tell them, put this loss behind us and let's move on. We are the dominant team in L.A. right now, and it doesn't matter. We have 1,700 other teams in L.A., but we are the best one in L.A. We are 8-1, and and we are not going to stop. And we have to keep moving because we have to keep our eyes on the prize. So, congratulations to the Saints. Keep doing what you're doing. Same thing to the Rams. Sean McVay will keep that team on their toes and keep them focused. The Sunday night game was the battle of the greats, right? The Sunday night football promo on Twitter Michael Jordan coming out and saying, the best way to settle this is head-to-head. They have the best, they have the titles, the wins. They both wear the same jerseys, but the best way to settle is head-to-head. Well, guess what? They did. And Tom Brady won. 22 of 35 for 294 yards and a touchdown. That's pretty good numbers. I mean, 
Aaron Rodgers, 24-43 for 259 yards and two touchdowns with an 89 quarterback rating, as well as Tom Brady with a 99 quarterback rating. This was a game that you knew would be high scoring, but I thought it would be more high scoring considering that both defenses weren't, aren't very good. They just aren't. Even New England's defense is not very good, but they got the job done, especially on the turnovers. Patriots won the turnover ratio. They only turned the ball over one time, the Green Bay Packers, but that's still winning the turnover ratio for the Patriots. New England now goes to 7-2. and two. Wow. For people out there who thought that they were done after losing to the Lions, you just do not get it, do you, with the New England Patriots? You just don't. You just really don't understand that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady know how to get things done to win and to go back to the playoffs every single year. You guys just don't get it. Green Bay, they dropped a 3-4-1. and And the biggest stat, they're 0-4 on the road. They have not won a game outside of Lambeau Field. What does that tell you? Packer fans out there are going to say, it's the defense. It's always the defense. You can't point fingers at one thing all the time. Guess what? The Patriots, they have, they're disciplined. They're a good team. They stay focused on all three phases of the ball. And right now, the New England Patriots, they don't, they don't care that they lost to Jacksonville or Detroit. Jacksonville cares that they beat New England because that's one of their only wins this season. And they're struggling. As I said before, they won the Super Bowl technically after they beat New England, so they don't have to worry about anything. While New England's <laughs> smiling and going, <laughs> we're 5-0 and at home and we're 7-2. and so go ahead and enjoy your one win against us. The Patriots move on to 7-2, and two, and they're looking strong pushing into the playoffs. They just are. I can already see them clinching the division here very soon, very shortly, easily for them. The Monday night NFL game. Boy, oh boy, I know my man Josh is very happy. He is always happy to see the Dallas Cowboys lose. And if any NFC East team other than, of course, the Washington Redskins. But the Cowboys, they lost 28-14 to against Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans, who are now 4-4 four and four on the season. And the Cowboys now drop to 3-5. and five. This was Dallas's first loss on Monday Night Football at home since the 2014 season. This is their first loss since then. Dak Prescott played very well, 21 of 31 for 243 yards and two touchdowns, but, but an interception. Mariota, though, 21 of 29 for 240 yards, two touchdowns, and a 119.9 quarterback rating. He also had 10 carries for 32 yards and a touchdown. Dak Prescott, two carries, 11 yards, but... Mariota, I don't understand. I, I, I've said it before. The Tennessee Titans, just they just really are a weird team because they lost to Buffalo. They lost to just bad teams. They've lost to teams that you don't want them to lose to. 
But the biggest difference in this game is Tennessee's defense. They got to Dak Prescott five times, five sacks. Sure, Dallas got to Marcus four times with four sacks, but creating pressure, making mistakes, but also winning the turnover battle, even though Mariota fumbled it twice, it's... This was just a weird game because, as I said, Tennessee just gets these wins against good teams, even though Dallas's defense is a little shaky at times. But I believe that it's just, that's just the motto over in Tennessee. Ah, we'll shock the people. We'll get it done against the good teams. But against the other teams, I don't, I don't think so. We'll just have to play it by ear and we'll just have to, see what we could come up with but this week in NFL <laughs> a little strange starting out with the 34 to 3 win over the Oakland Raiders for the 49ers Nick Mullins coming in and dominating to ending with Mariota and the Titans shocking the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium on Monday Night Football. Coming up next week, as I said, the Panthers will take on the Steelers on Thursday Night Football. You got Detroit at Chicago against the Bears. The Saints will travel to the Bengals. Go Saints. Take care of the Bengals. Go do it. You got the Falcons and the Browns. I don't know what to think of that game. The Patriots versus the Titans. As I said, who knows? The Titans might be able to shock the league and say, hey, we're going to take out Tom Brady and the Patriots. Who knows? You got the Jaguars going down to Indianapolis. Kansas City will play against Arizona. Buffalo and the New York Jets will play. The Redskins will go down to Tampa Bay and play the Buccaneers. Josh will probably be excited for that one. The Chargers versus the Raiders, as well as the Dolphins versus the Packers. The Seahawks and Rams. So L.A. has a bounce-back game against Seattle coming up this week in L.A. And on Sunday Night Football, it's back to Philly against the Cowboys. And on Monday Night Football, you got the 49ers and the Giants. Can Nick Mullins have two great weeks in a row? Who knows? You'll find that out next week. Now, switching on over to college football this past weekend, yeah, a little bit more disappointed now. Considering that both my teams did not win. My mom's alma mater, Penn State, got their butts whooped against the Michigan Wolverines. And my James Madison Dukes did not get the job done up in New Hampshire, losing 35-24. to They lost to a 3-16 up in New Hampshire. It's a little shocking. Well, actually, it's not very shocking considering the offense that we run on the team. As I said, I was at the Stony Brook game, and the offense was just pitiful. But our defense is so stout that we were able to hold their bad offense to a minimum. But this time, Trevor Knight for the New Hampshire Wildcats came back, and he had a 75-yard touchdown run. Our Dukes threw four interceptions, fumbled the ball. They just made so many mistakes that you cannot do to win a football game. Just because they are 2-5 and five does not mean that they are going to just lay over and say, all right, go ahead, win. We don't care. Just win, please. We don't care. No, 
and the Dukes lost. They now move to six and three, and now they their chances at the CAA title for a fourth year in a row are really diminished now. They're four and two in the division, and it just does not look good for the Dukes. But we'll have to see what happens towards the end of the season because they have two more games against Rhode Island and Towson to finish off the season. As I said, Penn State, they were playing a very good Michigan team. Chase Winnick and those boys on the defensive side of the ball for the Wolverines, they know how to get it done. Trace McSorley is a great quarterback. He is. He really is. He's a great player. He's a winner. And he does a lot of great things for that Penn State offense. But when you're going up against a team defense that is unstoppable, one man can't do it all. He just can't. And they lost 42-7. to Shea Patterson only threw the ball 17 times that game. 144 yards and two touchdowns. The running game, man. 20 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown for Karan Higdon. That's crazy. The run game for Penn State's defense is usually good, but this time it was not in the big house. And the Michigan Wolverines will now move to 8-1, and one. and who knows? They may get into the college football playoff now with LSU being gone now and losing to Alabama. Let's jump to that game, actually. I predicted, and I'm sorry for my prediction not being right, because I was excited for this game. I truly was. I was excited to see this game be a close, contested matchup and just be a game that I could look back on the season and say, hey, yeah, this is this is what college football is all about. Alabama won 29 to nothing over number three LSU. Tagovailoa had 42 passes, 25 of 42 for 295 and two touchdowns. Damian Harris had 107 yards rushing and a touchdown as well. It's 29 to nothing, and you're the number three team in the country. There's just, I'm very scared for every other team who's going to try and play Alabama. Because if LSU, the number three team in the country, can't do anything to even put points on the board, who else is going to do it then? Maybe Clemson, maybe Notre Dame. I don't know, but this is very scary to see these guys out here doing what they do. And it's very scary to see that their se- the rest of the season might be very easy for them. It might be very easy for them. And so Alabama remains number one in the polls as well as the college football playoff. And we'll have to see where they can go, but... It looks very easy for them towards the end of this season. Ohio State winning a close one over Nebraska. And I'm going to say it right now, Ohio State is overrated. They're overrated. And to me, this is a team that just, they they get ranked in the top five every single year for the past five years. They've been ranked in the top five and they just, they just fall off against a lot of teams. They just do. Congratulations. You beat a 2-6 and six team. Excuse me, 2-7 and seven team by five points. What You're the number 10 team in the country. You lost to Purdue. So you guys just are giving up on the season? On top of that, you guys just didn't lose to Purdue. You lost by 29 points. You got demolished against Purdue. 
And Purdue came back with another win against Iowa this week as well. They even beat Iowa. Let me find the score right here. They beat Iowa 38-36 to with the game-winning field goal at the end to win it against number 16, Iowa. Ohio State is overrated in my book. They are. Every single year, they're ranked in the top five, and they only beat Penn State by one point. But one point is a win. It is a win. I will give you that. But Penn State also missed three field goals that game. They did. And they also had terrible play calling. They had terrible play calling that game, which costed them the game. But I digress. The number 10 team in the country moves up to num- moves up to 8 and 1 and 5 and 1 in the Big 10 at number 10 and we'll have to see if they'll raise in the rankings this upcoming week. Boston College looking like a very solid team this year. 7 and 2 now. They beat Virginia Tech, which Many teams have done this year. Virginia Tech now falls to four and four. Number twenty-two Boston College beating them thirty-one to twenty-one. And Boston College, their defense is very good. I mean, Boston College has brought out great players in the NFL. Let's not forget Luke Keekley, the captain of the Carolina Panthers defense, is a Boston College graduate. So a lot of these scores are showing that just just great football by the ranked teams as well. Another upset, Arizona State taking out number 15, Utah. Number 15, Utah goes down to 6-3, and three, and Arizona State moves up to 5-4 and four now. 38-20, my goodness. Tyler Huntley threw two picks, a 46.1 QBR rating. That's unbelievable. You beat... The Utah Utes, Arizona State is another kryptonite of the college football, of college football, excuse me. They are another kryptonite team. They're now 5-4 and four and 3-3 three and three in their conference, but taking down a ranked opponent is going to help you guys out because they only need to win one more win. They only need to win one more game to be eligible for a bowl game. So we'll have to see what Arizona State can do. So this past week, not too much on the college football side. Lots of lots of dominant victories by teams this past week. UCF still remains unbeaten. And this will be the last story that we talk about here on the podcast. UCF is now ranked number 12 in the polls. One of the only undefeated teams left in the entire country. And I was listening to a talk show the other day. And... This guy was talking about UCF, and he was talking about how people say, why isn't UCF in the top four? They're one of the only undefeated teams. Why can't they be in the college football playoff? Well, this guy goes on to talk about how UCF's strength of schedule is 127th in the country. 127th in the country in terms of strength of schedule. And so now people... And he was like, so you want to put them in the top four? I don't think so. Because then he went on to say, an FCS team by the name of North Dakota State, if you've ever heard of them, won six national championships in the past seven years, including beating my James Madison Dukes in the national title game this past season. 
Of course, we were the one team to beat them to go to the national championship, ending their reign of terror after their five-peat. But their strength of schedule, 128th. 128th, UCS 127th. They are only one strength of schedule higher than an FCS school. That speaks volumes about what UCF's schedule is. It doesn't matter that they're undefeated. It doesn't matter. They have not played any good teams this season. This win that they had against Temple, they won 52-40. to Temple was the only team that had a winning record on their schedule at the time. Not a very good... Not very good for UCF in a, in a valid points in trying to get them into the college football playoff. So it doesn't seem likely that they will this year. But who knows? Crazier things have happened. As always, guys, my name is CJ Mintier, co-host of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. As I said, this week's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be taking different insights and looks into this past week in sports But as always, me and my good man, Josh Kirby, hope you guys have a wonderful day and enjoy the rest of your week. The next episode will be coming out next week, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. As always, peace out. Once again, thank you to my wonderful co-host, CJ Mintier, for um, doing most of the podcast today as I was out and about on the town. I was... um, Just busy with a lot of stuff, and I was unable to meet with CJ for a full segment. So, once again, I hope you enjoyed our little different podcast. Um, I appreciate you all tuning in once again, and make sure you check us out on social media. Email KirbyOnSports at gmail.com, Facebook at KirbyOnSportsPodcast, Twitter at KirbyOnSports, and our new Instagram page at Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Once again, a big thanks to Dave Johnson for our voice intro for the podcast. Really appreciate you, Dave. And until next time, we say so long. Have a great rest of your week, and we will catch you next time on the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast.